And we're back here on This Week I Learned, presented by Ross Mortgage on the Money Matters Radio Network. My name is Greg Arnold. I'm your host, joined by my brother, Jeff Arnold, a communication specialist from the New England Center for Children. We've already covered our experience at Polar Park in Worcester and sort of Worcester as a whole, the, what we what we really like about Worcester and sort of the growth pattern that it's been on. But now I wanted to talk a little bit more personally to Jeff about the New England Center for Children. So Jeff, tell us a little bit about the New England Center for Children. Yeah, so uh, we are a school and research institute uh, for children with autism, aged uh, or, you know early toddler through young adult um, in South Rome, Massachusetts. Uh, we have a residential program, so we have about 15 some odd houses uh, scattered around central Massachusetts and our central facility in Southboro, um, where students uh, reside uh, with and and are go to school from there. Um, and we also have a day program on site as well where kids, it's more of a traditional kids come in the morning, they leave in the afternoon. That's that's kind of everything we do at Southboro in addition to that being the headquarters of uh, kind of the research operation, as well as uh, the Autism Curriculum Encyclopedia ACE ABA software system, which is uh, essentially a software, it's an app pretty much um, that uh, Board certified behavior analysts, so people who know about a certain type of behavior analysis that we do called uh, applied behavior analysis. It's the way that we work with our students. Um, it, so it's designed for these BCBAs, they're called, uh, and it helps them input data and track data with the students to make sure that they're getting the best education uh, possible, both for their academic needs as well as their behavioral needs. Um, we have uh, a range of, of students who, uh, and it's a really diverse population, a really uh, unique population in terms of different um, different levels, so to speak. Um, so, so we work with them. And additionally to that, uh, we have a center in Abu Dhabi uh, that we run alongside the uh, one of the arms of the Abu Dhabi government, um, and it is for children with autism in Abu Dhabi. Um, and the school, interestingly enough, is built pretty much the exact same specs as what is in Southboro. Like they pretty much took the plans and said, build this here. Um, so it's a very uh, similar program. We send teachers to work there and there are also teachers who are from Abu Dhabi who work there as well. Um, and recently we've also expanded in other places in the Gulf. Um, prior to the pandemic, uh, there was an expansion in Beirut, uh, Lebanon, as well as a clinic uh, in Dubai. Um, so we, we have this pretty wide breadth around the world um, of things that we like physically control. And then we also have uh, consultants and staff alumni who have worked at, at NECC, uh, got their degrees through. We have graduate partnerships um, with regional universities right now, Simmons University and Western New England University, and, and become you know experts in the field. And then they go off and kind of spread the, the gospel, so to speak, of NECC around the world. So yeah. it's a really, I, I mean, that that's kind of the two-minute elevator pitch, but it's a really diverse organization in terms of the things that we do and the population we serve. But really, if you were to take one thing away from it, it's everything we do is to improve the lives um, of children with autism, whether they are our students um, who we serve on one of our campuses or around the world through the ACE ABA software system or via one of these uh, teachers who trained with us and now has started their own program or works with a similar program somewhere else in, in the world. Yeah, and you guys would say, I mean, from what I don't know nearly obviously as much about it as you do, but, you know, growing up in this area, you, you hear about it and whatnot. You guys are sort of 
probably the leader of, of autism research, not, not just nationally, but sort of around the world. Yeah. So specifically when it comes to like autism research, it's more, um, research into applied behavior analysis and it's, it's application with autism. Um, or, or just in general, ABA is a really, um, fairly young field in the grand scheme of things. BF Skinner was one of the pioneers of it. Um, so, so yeah, we're, we're one of the leaders, especially in the a provision of ABA services um, for, for children with autism and uh, early adults with autism. Yeah. And so you, but you are not, you don't work uh, with the students. Correct. I'm not a teacher. Yeah. You're yes. not a teacher there. Uh, you work in the, on the communication side, the business side, if you will. So, so tell us a little bit about uh, what that's like as working maybe for a nonprofit, A, but more more minutely sort of a school that that is really centered on on really i would i would assume brand awareness almost as as sort of their overarching goal and obviously fundraising is extremely important yeah so so technically speaking i work within the development office development being the fundraising side um i work under our chief development officer jared bozen who um to to loop it back to Ross Mortgage, uh, is former college classmates, uh, with one of your higher ups here. Um, so small world. Uh, but so I work for the chief development officer as well as the director of institutional advancement, um, Beth McGonigal. And, um, my, my job within that is as this communications person. So that means both external communications in terms of, in terms of writing press releases, um, social media strategy, advertising strategy, as well as some internal communication. Specifically, um, I work with the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion uh, Task Force on their communication subcommittee, um, trying to not necessarily problem solve, but um, you know, just just improve our communications around diversity, equity, and inclusion issues. Uh, for example, we are recru- recording this in June. Um, it's of course Pride Month, so you know finding ways to communicate about how we are acknowledging and celebrating Pride Month internally. So that's that's kind of the the really basic kind of what I'm in charge of in terms of my day-to-day tasks. Uh, I'm a content person for the most part. I write a lot. I create videos. I have a podcast, the Neck Now podcast. Um, if anyone wants to look that up on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, uh, really wherever you find your podcast, you can find it there. Um, so I, I, I'm really a content creator first, and I just happen to, to work for the New England Center for Children. I've, I've found a passion um, and some real... It's just extremely rewarding to work with an organization that um, truly does like impact the lives of so many children and their families. Um, and it's it's really it's something that is truly unique. Um, and being a young professional, I, I think a, a really valuable experience as I continue to advance my career. Yeah. So I think in, in that's a perfect segue into something, uh, that, or really just the topics we were talking about earlier. You know. It's located in Southboro, Massachusetts. Sort of, I wouldn't call it an unassuming building on Route Nine, but but by no means. I mean, I guess it is probably the nicest building on that stretch, but by no means is it massive. They're sticking out or anything like that. But it's it's crazy, you know, the impact and and this sort of cutting edge uh, research and and facility that is is right there in the Central Massachusetts region. Obviously, you guys are a huge employer of young people, especially whether it be through the the graduate assistant program that you guys have there. Or just through, I mean, a lot of the staff, the teachers themselves is young, and, and even a lot of the people that you work with uh, are young, and and I think that's really important uh, for the whole Central Massachusetts region to just have these companies here or, or organizations, whatever you want to call them, uh, that you know are committed to the local region. I mean, at, in Southboro, you guys are focused fairly heavily on people who come from you know the Massachusetts or or Central Mass region. It's not like you guys have. I mean, you do have students. I'm sure from all over, but it's, but it's, you would say it's focused on this. Yeah. This I mean, sure. at, at, we are in new England, you know, it's in the name. Um, yeah. so we're, we are 
in terms of our student population focused um, somewhat on the local area, but but no, we, we do serve people all, all over the, the country and whether they come to us in for on-campus treatment um, and, and education or through consultation um, or through our, we have partner classrooms, for example, where we have uh, teachers who are trained by us go in and run a classroom in a public school district. Gotcha. Um, but in terms of like how we fit in within the local community, yeah, we are we're a massive employer of of young people in this area um, and young people who are doing some real like they are a true asset to the community. I was talking with uh, Susan Langer, who's our uh, chief programs officer, the other day. Um, she's been with NECC since 1976. She was one of the like three <laughs> founding people. Not found. She's not a founder, but one of the three people who've really been there. They're a lifer. Um, the only career they've ever really had is, is at NECC. And she was saying that she really does view and has always viewed our teachers in our program as an asset to the community because yeah. of, of the impact it can have. Uh, more wide-reaching. BCBAs, these board-certified behavior analysts, um, we have we have nearly 200 on our staff. There's some states that don't have that many. So the fact that we have all these people being trained on our staff who then can go out into the community um, and if they've established their lives here, stay here or or go elsewhere, whether it's in central Massachusetts, the Metro West area, or I mean, we have people running programs in Brazil and running programs in Iceland and all these different places. They are, you know, assets to, yes, our local community, but also just kind of the autism community at large. Yeah, definitely. Uh, which is, is super interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's the work you guys do over there is is definitely incredible. So, you're listening to this week I learned, presented by Ross Mortgage Company, hosted by Greg Arnold on the Money Matters Radio Network. We'll be right back. Then another thing that you're passionate about, because I did introduce you it was as a hard a, left turn, I hard love it. left turn. I did introduce you as a as a published member of the golf media sphere. Uh, Greg, I thought you'd never ask. Yeah, I know this is something that you're passionate about. Whether Obviously passionate about golf, uh, big golfer yourself, I know that firsthand, but but I think maybe more interesting and more relevant to today's conversation is, you know, you wrote this, I guess it would just be paper, sort of thesis. Yeah, it's a yeah, thesis. Tell us, yeah, tell us a little a bit thesis. about, uh, just like an overview of what that was. Yeah, so it was the it was revitalizing the municipal model, um, a case study of Winter Park Golf Course, uh, and it, it focused on, so municipal golf is a subset of golf as a whole, so the reputation of golf is that it's extremely private country club thing that no one can get into and is extremely expensive. Well, municipal courses are ones owned by government entities, specifically usually a municipality such as a town or city. So it's these courses that are in general much less expensive, specifically for residents of the local community. And also what goes along with that is that they usually do not provide the best experience to their customers. They are either uh, not very well maintained or completely uninteresting of a design. So I looked at uh, kind of one really good example of a municipal course that is doing things right um, and tried to apply some lessons or, or tried to take some lessons away from that um, in terms of if you are a municipal golf course or your town with a municipal golf course, what can you learn from this to make your course more successful not just financially because at the end of the day like what makes a municipal golf course really interesting is that it is this amenity uh to, to your the, town yeah, right to the community. but different than tennis courts or a local park it's a amenity that can produce some good revenue for yeah. you and that's what makes it interesting right so i so i'm trying to figure out you know what are some ways that you can have your course be successful financially 
but also provide uh, something for the common good of the community. And that's in terms of the intersection with our conversation today about Polar Park. I talk about Polar Park as kind of a community hub, and that's what the main lesson you take away from uh, Winter Park Golf Course, which is in Winter Park, Florida, to a suburb just north of Orlando, um, is that, you know, for these spaces to be really useful and truly like embody what a municipal investment should be for, they have to serve a greater purpose than just the utility of for in a baseball stadium's case, you know, playing baseball and in golf courses case, just being for golfers. And that, yeah. that's, that's the real lesson there. And I think that that's um, something that's really not thought about very often with golf courses. And I think more so with baseball stadiums now. Um, but yeah, so, so that's, that's kind of my background there. And it's, um, it was a lot of work uh, over the course of like two years. I talked to some really interesting people and got a lot of uh, support for that project. Yeah. I mean, I think, to sort of keep it in the central mass sphere, one of the things that's interesting, so we're both from Westboro, Massachusetts, obviously Westboro Country Club. I think it's called Westboro Golf Club now. Yeah, yeah. Is is sort of, it's a municipal course, obviously, in Westboro that has been operating, uh, to the best of my knowledge, at, at almost a loss, if break even at best, but a loss. Uh, you know, it was at a loss. So yeah. so the intro to the paper um, is literally kind of relitigating these meeting minutes from a uh there's a operating committee that essentially runs the golf course so relitigating these meeting minutes that i read through um that pretty much laid out we are not in a good spot financially and things need to change and and that's kind of the you know i in i think more than anything else in terms of what i identify as i identify as someone from central Massachusetts and so on from Westboro. So I wanted to, to do something that was, um, really applicable to my life and my experiences. And that, that was the perfect segue there is that, Hey, like in my community, this golf course that I grew up playing on and played high school golf on, and has done a lot of good for me, um, is one of the many golf courses struggling. Uh, one of the many municipal golf courses struggling. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think as somebody, I, I haven't played there nearly as much as you, but we were both members there when we were kids. And and I mean, it obviously provided a lot of positive, you know, memories and growth and all that stuff. But obviously, it's more important for a community as a whole that it's got to be, you know, profitable and, and a, re- a revenue center. So one of the things I wanted to, to get your opinion on is, so you have these golf courses in, in these towns. Is it are they looking for these places to sort of, is the goal to attract, you know, local residents, so community members, so people who live in the town and surrounding towns, or, or are they really, how do we bring in people and sort of drive the revenue just from like a pure popularity standpoint? Yeah, so I guess I might have slightly mischaracterized it. Um, I, revenue is important. You never want to be operating at a loss. Um, but I think it's more important to kind of have it be, it has to provide a good to the community and not just to golfers. So, so to answer your question about like, who are they trying to attract, right? A municipal golf course at the end of the day, I think you are building something that is for your local community. Municipal golf courses are, they are very rarely something that is a tourist attraction. There are some exceptions to that. Uh, Torrey Pines, where this year's U.S. Open will be held, is a tourist attraction of some sort. Beth Page Black is the ultimate one. It was the first uh, municipal golf course to host a U.S. Open. Um, a Charleston uh, golf, there's a new municipal golf course in Charleston that I think will become a bit of a tourist attraction, but it's still very few and far between. So you need to do something that is going to attract that local community um, and yes, it provides revenue. So it can provide the way you attract golfers. And this is kind of the whole point of the paper to get the revenue. You need to provide them a better golfing experience. And that's one that takes less time. A, 
it's one that is more fun, whatever, in my opinion, fun means you're shooting slightly lower scores and also you are being able to play more creatively. And really what it comes down to is can you provide a golf course that is interesting for a good player and playable for a bad player so it doesn't exclude and who it's being marketed towards. So you need it to be so fast, fun, which really just means playable for everyone. And then lastly, you got to do something that is not that expensive. Um, And you probably think, well, how do you get to that point? How do you make something not that expensive when you're saying you're probably going to need to make some changes to your golf course because a lot of these places are not, you know, fun to play this way. Yeah. Well, so the, the answer to that is you just kind of bring out your mow lines and you make it so if you're mowing more fairway and more short grass that, inherently you're going to shoot better scores because you're not losing less balls places get in trouble but also it's you know it's in that and again less you know more short grass speeds up rounds and it also the way it brings down your costs is that you are you know you're just going on you're mowing one height it's a lot easier yeah. it's the you bring the labor cost down you can also water less if you're not worried about really really lush dense rough it's like anyone you know trying to build up really lush dense lawn you, yeah. you have There's to use no more different. water yeah, exactly. exactly like it's the same thing but imagine scaled up by like fifteen thousand times um so it has to provide those things the to the golfing community and that's how you build in my opinion that's how you build the a loyal group of local people and maybe you can attract some people if you do a good enough job with it um and building something interesting but really the bread and butter of municipal golf course is our local residents yeah and and Another thing that, I mean, you mentioned fun and and playable. I think another thing that was really important in in our lives, obviously more so for you than myself, but the youth golf aspect. So I I think that's something that I believe that if you're a local golf course, there's really no, and you would know better than me, but my gut says there's really no downside in making your course, you know, appeal to a younger golfer. 100%. Yeah. So it's, and that's something that to, to speak about, you know, the course that we grew up on, they, I wouldn't, again, I'm not going to act like the expert here, but I didn't think in my personal experience that they did an overly great job of, you know, not that they weren't catering to, but being maybe acceptive or inclusive of a younger golfer. Now I will say in their defense, I believe our memberships, which were not all that long ago in the last 10 years, were like 150 bucks. It was 125 when yeah. we started. And that's for the so, whole season. And so Westboro, we, so we were members of Westboro Country Club. Some of the, there's nothing you can do about the fact that the older golfing population is probably always going to view the younger golfer population as some sort of adversary. Um, but the low cost entry is something they should be absolutely applauded for. Um, High Fields Golf and Country Club over in Grafton is another one. Up until this year, when they raised the price, uh, it was like four hundred bucks for a membership with some limited playing time. But not but really. Still. I mean, I used to play there all the time. Yeah, and and that was an under twenty five, which was really nice. That's another thing that I think and they're is, they're not municipal, but they're just another golf course. But I mean, it's local. I mean, it's a local yeah. golf course, and and I think that's always going to be the to the people who don't golf it's it's not that different from say skiing or something like that the the cost is always going to be a major turnoff and and that's why what you say you know it has to be cost effective is so important because you can build the best golf course in the world but if it's just if you price out you know half of your market it's it simply just won't work from a municipal standpoint yeah and and people can look at places on the non-municipal side or even on the municipal side places like Beth Page Black, Torrey Pines for municipals, and then, you know, public, really expensive. Um, Places like Pebble Beach, um, where that are really expensive. But that's just, those are so far from the norm. 
you know? So, so again, if you order my real takeaway from it is that again, you need to play, you know, fast, fun, uh, really accepting and inclusive golf communities. Um, and to loop back to our first conversation about polar park, a lot of those same values can be seen in modern ballparks in terms of trying to build a place that is good for the community as a whole through lowering the cost to entry and through providing spaces that everyone can enjoy. Yeah. And so that about wraps it up for this week's episode of This Week I Learned, presented by Ross Mortgage on the Money Matters Radio Network, available, or list, I guess listenable, on Saturdays and Sundays on 1029 in the Boston market. We're also going to be eventually making this available as a podcast, which can be found on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, just under This Week I Learned. I want to thank Jeff Arnold from the New England Center for Children and for coming in and just, you know, having a great conversation with us about, you know, Worcester, Polar Park, and just the great work that's being done over at the New England Center for Children. As always, my name is Greg Arnold. Again, you're listening to This Week I Learned, presented by Ross Mortgage on the Money Matters Radio Network. See you guys next week.